Welcome to Making Art Work, produced by the Arts Administration Program at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York. I'm Travis Newton, your host and director of the program. Today's guest is John Schaefer, who for the past four years has served as director of Art Oswego, the arts programming arm of SUNY Oswego in Oswego, New York. Schaefer earned his master's degree in arts management from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and went on to an arts management career spanning positions at the National Endowment for the Arts and the Cultural Resources Council of Central New York, now known as CNY Arts, among others. John's history of community building also includes entering the seminary and serving as a priest for seven years at Grace Episcopal Church in Baldwinsville, New York. After a few years of consulting with Arts We Go, John became the director in the summer of 2012. Arts We Go's mission is to serve as a catalyst for high-quality arts programs that enhance the cultural environment of the college and augment academic offerings. John Schaefer, welcome to Lemoyne College and Making Art Work. Thank you, Travis. It's a pleasure to be here. Right off the bat, um, I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering about your time as a priest. <laughs> and uh, how it, it does come up. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And how that came about in the midst, sort of in the middle of your career as an arts administrator. I, I uh, often refer to it as, as, you know, my first uh, midlife crisis. I think we're allowed <laughs> several. Uh, but, you know, really not so illogical as one might think. I, I, I certainly think that... Uh, Aesthetic experiences and spiritual experiences uh, probably call on the same receptors in our wiring, and I, I find a lot of people uh, working in the arts uh, who also are involved in one way or another with uh, religion or uh, you know alternate spiritual expressions. And I know many musical priests, so that's uh, yep. it. Does seem like there's a <laughs> there's a connection there. There's definitely something there. Yeah. So um, you left the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, in 1989, after nine years with the organization. Mm -hmm. So bear with me for just a little bit of history on the the appropriations that the federal government has given to the NEA over the years. In 1989, the appropriation was just over 169 million dollars which when adjusted for inflation would be $321 million in today's, <laughs> yes. in today's dollars. However, the 2015 appropriation for the NEA was just $146 million. So, um, you know, with that history in mind, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it was like to be working at the NEA at the very beginning of uh, what's been termed the culture wars that led to such a dramatic cut in the agency's funding around the mid-90s. It was, it was a fascinating time to be there uh, in some ways, looking back on it. Yeah, it probably was uh, a golden age in a way in terms of uh, appropriations. I, was, uh, I went to the NEA at the end of the Carter administration, and actually most of the time that I spent there was... Um, uh, under the Reagan administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was interesting to live through that transition because in many ways the agency continued to do what it had always done, but uh, in some ways the justification changed. And since I was working in policy uh, most of that time, it was interesting to, to experience that and, and the way things were you know, expressed in slightly different ways. Um, it was the very beginning of that period, which, yeah, you could refer to as, as uh, culture wars, uh, when some of our uh, photography grants, in particular, I don't know what it is about photographers, but uh, <laughs> got us into a, a you know a bit of trouble. And it was, I mean, with public funding of the arts, 
is always, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 a mismatch. It, it uh, relies on everybody's goodwill, I think. Um, but we started to see uh, some, you know, really sharp criticism. It was, you know, it, it was very interesting because in many ways, it was not that anybody at the endowment made specific decisions uh, about any of the, you know, the exhibits or the artworks that uh, drew all of the, the, the controversy. Um, you know, the problem comes from the fact that the agency has always supported things like artist residencies, where mm -hmm. they look at the body of work that somebody has, has done, and they say, you know, this person is worthy of uh, a little bit of time to develop uh, their career and maybe move in some new directions. So you're not saying, and here's what we want to see on the wall at the end of that time right. period. Same thing is often true with uh, supporting uh, museum exhibits where, uh, you know, uh, the, the panel may approve a, a, a specific, uh, going in a specific direction with their programming over the course of the year. But the real curatorial decisions about what is going to be shown remains with that institution. Sure. So um, it was, you know, <laughs> to us at the time, it's, it seemed that they were uh, kind of missing the point to start at the end of the process and say, well, we don't like this work, therefore, uh, you know, something should be changed at the NEA. But as you well know, uh, those arguments still abound. Uh, one of the big results of the controversies in that period was the fact that, you know, largely individual fellowships at that level don't exist anymore. Right. Congress basically said, well, you know. <laughs> Funding is more project-based and less open-ended. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, it's. I think it is fascinating, and um, I think we're fortunate to have someone in the community here who has such a a rich um, history and, and understands, you know, where we came from. So... Um, Speaking of your, your current position, though, as director of a university arts presenting organization, I'm sure I can only imagine that sometimes you feel like you're being pulled in many different directions, uh, balancing the school's priorities with the interest of the broader Oswego community. Um, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you balance the needs of those two constituencies and any others that might arise. Yeah, it, it certainly it is challenging. And, and that uh, mission statement that you cited, if you had read the whole thing, it actually you know gets into the fact that we not only serve those academic needs of the institution, but uh, try to be a bridge to the to the community as yeah, well. It really is a dual mission statement. It, it, it is. Yeah. Um, it's challenging. In some ways, in, in the time that I've been there, it has been perhaps a little easier because we were also faced with this challenging situation where we needed to do an extensive renovation of our uh, main theater space, mm -hmm. Waterman Theater, on campus. So uh, for two years, uh, we were without the main place that historically over the organization's 25-year uh, history, most of our events have happened. Right. So we decided to try to treat that as an opportunity and, and really give special attention to that, that community aspect of what we do. And um, uh, in a way, we, we borrowed a, a catchphrase from uh, uh, colleagues in San Francisco and uh, you know, used the tagline, uh, you know, closed for construction, but more open than ever. Ah. The idea being that we would be kind of on the road. We would treat it as 
you know, essentially a rolling community festival, mm -hmm. and you would never know exactly where we were going to turn up next, and we would take advantage of all kinds of alternate venues. Right. Um, that really created some opportunities because we were able to partner with uh, community resources uh, uh, like the Fort Ontario Historic Site and actually brought Third Rail Projects from Brooklyn, a very innovative dance uh, troupe, and created work specifically in and for uh, that space. And the audience actually moved through the above ground and below ground uh, uh, rooms of Fort Ontario. And it's a beautiful site. I, I've performed there a few times with the, the former Syracuse Symphony played yep. summer concerts there. Out in the middle. And yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> the the load-in for that was always interesting because the door is only so many feet wide, so everything needs to roll through that door. Yeah, and sometimes the winds blowing off Lake Ontario can be challenging. Yes, and I, indeed. I remember watching you guys try to try to hang on to the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we can't just memorize everything, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so during that season... Um, um, did that experience and your performances at Fort Ontario and area churches and all kinds of places, you know, circus tent, did those experiences um, impact your future programming priorities and ideas? Well, I like to think that it did. I, I, <clears throat> I certainly hope that the openness that that created uh, can be carried back with us when we, you know, eventually return to Waterman, and we hope that'll happen in the fall. But it, it's a building project; one never knows. Depends um, on how many uh, <coughs> how many things are uncovered in the process. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but uh, you know, I also just hope that um, you, you know, uh, being on a university campus always has some psychological barriers that come along with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as much as I wish it were otherwise, once in a while you hear somebody say, "Well, y you know." Uh, no, we don't really go out there. That's that's uh, you know really for people with PhDs and that sort of right, thing, which right, of course right. is not at all the case or not at all the intent. I don't have a PhD. Do you? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But uh, so I I, you know, I hope that the contacts we've made over these couple of years will will carry back with us, and people will say, oh yeah, that's that that organization. Remember, you know, we did the, uh, we attended that thing at Fort Ontario or uh, at St. Mary's Church or wherever it might be, and uh, uh, the, the, the recollection of those positive experiences will carry over to everything we do. Great. How involved, because you're, part of your mission is obviously serving students and the mm -hmm. academic community, how involved are students in the actual programming process? Uh, well, students are involved. We, we always have students on the, on the program committee. Uh, of course, unlike faculty members, they're always departing. Uh, you know, about the time we get somebody that we're really uh, right. having a great experience with, unfortunately, they're gone. Of course, that's that's a good thing. That, yeah, they're on to other things. Yeah. But. Uh, but also, in in terms of production, uh, we rely heavily on, on student crews from mm -hmm. the theater department uh, when we're uh, presenting professional artists. I think it's a great experience for them as well because they get the experience of sort of seeing how that world works. Many of them, you know, aspire to uh, to work as arts professionals eventually. So It's a great training ground yeah, for is. them, it absolutely. Um, we find that, uh, uh, you know, one of, one of the great opportunities to be involved with students is to work with the classes that they're taking. Mm -hmm. And we try very hard uh, not just to work with students who are in music or theater or, uh, you know, in, in the, the obvious disciplines, 
But to program things that connect in some way with the other areas uh, that are taught on campus. So for example, this year we have a program that we hope will reach out a bit to the, the uh, physical sciences and technology and mathematics. Great. Um, uh, we encourage faculty to uh, actually include uh, performing arts events in their syllabus and use it as uh, a teaching opportunity in whatever it is that they're uh, involved with. Fabulous. And speaking of, uh, you know, connecting what you're doing with curriculum and among multiple um, institutions of higher education, can you tell us a little bit about this project that you've been working on um, where you're collaborating with multiple colleges, including Lemoyne College and Hamilton College, and, and how that came about? Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, we had the, the acting company on campus. It's a, a, a New York based theater company that was actually founded with the, the first graduating class of the, the theater program at Juilliard. And uh, their whole thing has been to, to get uh, uh, young actors out and around and give them really uh, practical experiences mm -hmm. in producing classical theater. So um, when they were here uh, two years ago, they, they uh, performed their, their uh, repertory, which happened to be Hamlet and uh, Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Mm -hmm. And those two pieces in their repertory that year sparked off each other in such amazing ways that we had, I, I, I think in total, about 18 different classes that were involved in that residency. Wow. Um, at the same time, the acting company was kind of looking at it, its operating model and saying, you know, we need to do something that goes a little deeper. We've been doing this bus and truck thing, <laughs> you know, right. uh, for a long time. And how Meaning could, traveling around to different, different yeah, organizations how doing their could show. We, how could we you know, go to an area and make more of an impact than we are now? And um, interestingly, uh, they were kind of looking at what happened on our campus while they were there. And shortly thereafter, they got back in touch with us and said, you know, what would you think about this? We're considering this new model where we will go to basically four areas in the country, uh, four hub institutions, and from that hub, uh, we'd like to also work with the other colleges in the area. And what we can do is, uh, you know, over the course of a couple of years, bring professionals in uh, to, to work with students. Uh, the, what they were proposing was to do, again, two plays that would be related. And the, the repertory is Shakespeare's Julius Caesar mm -hmm. and a new play just being written about Malcolm X. Oh. Uh, by a rising black playwright, Marcus Gardley, who is uh, receiving a lot of notice nationally. So uh, that was pretty exciting. We decided to talk to all our colleagues in the area. And as you say, um, the partnership ended up being SUNY Oswego, Lemoyne, and, uh, and Hamilton. And uh, that's already underway. The finished plays will happen in the spring of 2000. 17. They'll happen on all three of those campuses. Great. But in the meantime, uh, in a very short time, we're going to have the playwright here uh, to do readings with student actors, 
uh, of the play, which is still very much in development. So it's a rare opportunity right, to, to be see involved. the creative process and then hopefully for those students who will still be around next year, see the finished product. And and what you say about the uh, about the acting company looking at their model and um, you know that's interesting to me because it it sort of mirrors what arts organizations are doing in terms of their community engagement and education um, activities rather than doing one huge concert where you bus in two thousand kids and see a, a show or a concert there are more sort of benchmarks along the way more points of contact between the artists and the students which leads to a, a little bit of a deeper connection rather than sort of a drive-by situation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's great. That's great. Um, so I want to thank you, John, for being here. Believe it or not, time flew by and our time is up. Um, and I would say that anyone who would like more info about all of Artswego's amazing programming, and there's a lot of it to look at, should visit oswego.edu arts. Thanks, John, for being here. Thank you very much, Travis. Making Art Work is produced by the Arts Administration Program at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York, with support provided by the Department of Communication and Film Studies and WLMU Radio, as well as our broadcast partner, WCNY Classic FM. Our theme song was written by Lemoyne College music faculty member Edward Rahowski and performed by the Bang on a Can All-Stars. For more information about Arts Administration at Lemoyne, including our Master of Science in Arts Administration, visit lemoyne.edu slash artsadmin or follow us on Twitter at LMCArtsADMN. I'm your host, Travis Newton, hoping you'll join us again next time on Making Art Work.